Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is the City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back. Today, we're going to talk about policy a little bit. We've not really done that before. We've stayed kind of high level um, we, and, and may, maybe a little bit more timeless. Uh, but we're going to dive into a particular, um, a particular subset of policy in regards to government because I had a really interesting little exchange with my five-year-old the other day. Really? Your five-year-old just calling for uh, some policy revisions? Yeah. He said, hey, you should talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That no. a boy. No, no, no. We, That's uh, my grandson. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were driving around and he asked Leslie, um, as, we were, as the car was going by a particular uh, group of tents on the street, and he said, why? Why do those people live in tents? And and now he's got eyes for it. He's always looking around for mm-hmm. tents. Um, and that's that's such that's a, an incredibly complex question. And he, I couldn't even begin to answer that question for him. I I think we said something like because they don't have a place to live because because um, because they're very sad right now or or something like that. Trying to help him understand it's not it's not going well. It's not mm. <laughs> things are not as they should be. Um, but now he's got eyes for it. He's looking around and there's a tent. There's another tent. There's a whole village of tents. Um, there's actually a tent right up the hill from our house now. Yeah, I, I saw that one. Which is really interesting. But um, So that's the five-year-old's perspective of uh, really the homelessness crisis, I think would be a good way to describe it in our area. Well, in some respect, that's probably the question most of us have. Mm-hmm. Actually, he just happened to say it in a nice, simple sentence. Mm-hmm. But most of us look at tents along the freeway and say... I wonder mm-hmm. why are those people living there? Right. And we do it with a little more condescension or we do it with a little more, you know, frustration with the city or whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. but they, uh, we still all ask that same question. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dig into that question a little bit today. Um, before we do, can I just say one other thing though? Sure. Um, the, the other thing is kind of why we have avoided policy so far. <laughs> I think it's probably worth saying that it isn't that, there aren't good policies or there aren't good policy alternatives or, Mm. or you shouldn't ever vote for a politician who has a policy preference or anything like that. It's just simply that we're trying to give perspective to the church Mm -hmm. that there are other, um, there are other ways of looking at the world rather than looking at it from a partisan um, or even a policy kind of a way. Mm. I think that's the thing. We we want to we want to look at the world differently than just merely looking at it through policies and I think that the temptation for us is to is to do look for an easy answer, mm-hmm. to look for somebody that's going to have, you know, a solution that is going to fix my problem and and they'll promise it and then and I guess I just want us to kind of in fact I think we're going to end up you you happen to pick a policy area it's going to become abundantly obvious that, well, there is going to be no magic bullet on this and voting for a politician who says they'll fix it is Mm. going to be a real challenge. But I guess I want to make sure that the church 
kind of holds, um, you know, holds itself uh, to a higher standard than merely uh, a vote that gives the responsibility right. to somebody else, I guess. Right. So. And, and that's a good call, uh, not just in, in this particular avenue, but in a lot of places we go, what, what is my role in this complex issue? And, and we usually default to my role is to check a box on my ballot um, that someone else will take care of this. And then I don't have to think about this anymore. Well, I think, I think you give us too much credit. <laughs> my role, my role in this complex issue, I don't think most of us, well, you know, act as though it's really a complex issue. Mm. I think we hear promises or we hear opinions that say that it would be solved if this just happened. If, if they voted, if the, you know, Senate voted for this, you know, uh, bill, then right. the problem would be solved. And, the reality is that the real world is much more complex than that. And that's one of the reasons that we've avoided just saying, right. oh, here, this will do it, because it generally doesn't do it. And we're not going to really advocate, even on even when we talk about mm-hmm. a policy area like this, we're not going to advocate, oh, yeah, you got to vote this way or that way right. or anything. But um, anyway, I just, I just think it's important that we, you know, <laughs> when we deviate from the norm here, that we explain kind of why there was a little bit sure. of a norm. Well, that makes sense. So this is a complex problem uh, with many factors, and uh, I think... Can, it, I, can I ask one more question before you even get to the complex <laughs> part? Sure. So you talked about people living in tents. Mm-hmm. Um, are we calling this homelessness or houselessness, or does it matter? Oh, that's interesting. Because I've heard it called both, especially sure. more recently called houselessness. Sure. sure. I... I I don't have. I don't know if I have a great answer for that. I I say homelessness still, mm-hmm. um, and part of that is just a uh, an acknowledgement that things are not as they should be. Um, right. And I, I I I'm not really sure where the houselessness piece comes in. Okay. I think it's I think it's a desire to say, well, yeah, they're they're living, and that's the, that's maybe a desired home over there, even though it's not a house. And then we can emphasize uh, the house as the problem and not mm-hmm. the underlying factors. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't think it's that simple. <laughs> I don't think that the, the lack the of physical houses, structure of a house right. is not going to solve the problem. Right. 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 Okay. So we'll stick with homelessness then for our conversation. And, and any listener, if you have a, uh, a comment about that, send us an email and we'd love to hear why, why we should use a different word. That's totally great. Let's, let's hear from you. So, um, so I, I do think it's more complex. One of the things you hear in our area uh, they actually point to the house. There's a housing crisis. Mm. Um, that's why there's homelessness. Uh, they'll talk about lack of um, affordable housing, affordable housing, or just number of housing. Mm-hmm. There, there's not enough houses, and the houses that we have are too expensive. That equals homelessness. And I hear that, and I just shake my head. No, there's so much more going on there. Um, I think one of the obvious things is there's addiction. Uh, there's um, mental health crises. There's, um, I think those things are obvious. If you, if you have engaged at all, if you've maybe, um, volunteered and sat at a, um, a ministry that's trying to uh, care for those who are living on the streets, you know, those are evident. That's, that's there. Mm-hmm. That, that is a need. Um, I know the friends that I've had have, um, who, mm-hmm. who have been on the street, or maybe I went and looked, looked for them under the bridge or, Hey, where are you? I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, it wasn't because of housing prices. It was because of some type of addiction or some type of mental health thing. Um, So 
a lot of factors there. And it's, it's going to be different for every person. Mm-hmm. It's not, okay, uh, X, XYZ is happening with every person that's, that's homeless. It's a, a variety of factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two for sure. Um, I think one I want to know is that there's clearly lack of community. Something has happened where I don't have the supporting structure of people anymore. Maybe that's family. Maybe that's, um, I'm just been, I've been picturing when thinking about this, all the level, levels of community that I have um, from my immediate family, my wife in my house, to my extended family, to then I have my life group, I have my, my church, I have the different um, maybe social groups I belong to, all these different layers of community that really protect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone is, is living on the street, that's a problem. There's, there, there's lack of community there that could have, could have or maybe already tried um, to protect and help and now it's gone. Something yeah, happened. Maybe the mental health or the addiction mm-hmm. was, was so strong that they mm-hmm. just said we're out and they broke with that maybe. Right, right. And another, another one is um, just simple poverty. Uh, it could be, you, you'll hear stories about I lost a job and then I couldn't make the payment and then um, lost, the, lost the apartment or whatever. Um, or maybe people move and they thought they had a job and then they didn't have a job or, or just life comes at people and then all of a sudden, oh, there's no money, and now I can't do this thing. Um, and I think it's it's also not going to be just one of these things. It could be these things all added together. Maybe there's addiction, and there's poverty, and there's um, life coming at you quickly, and then you couldn't recover. All, all this and stuff. There's no safety net, right? right. For, for, with a community, so mm-hmm. yeah, you're you're gonna. It's not going to be just one. Generally, right. I mean, right. there are a lot of addicted people who aren't on the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of thing. So I think it's multiple, there are multiple sources, mm-hmm. again, which makes it complex. Right, right, definitely, definitely. And one of the, I think, I think we want to caution against thinking about this in a simple way. And I know years ago, one of the sim- simple things I thought of was um, maybe you see someone on the street and you think, oh, if I, if I just make one wrong turn, I, I could be on the street too. And it's kind of a bad, a bad way to think about things. And, and me just describing the layers of community that I have, realizing how many things need to break um, for, uh, for me to be on the street. And then you flip that around and go, how many things are broken in someone's life because they're, they're on the street? What, um, what addiction is in play? What mental health piece is in play? What, um, what relationships have been broken? Uh, what, what relationships are they missing? Um, there are so many factors and it's not just, okay, if I just pull this one lever, um, then I can remedy the situation for everyone. Uh, there's, there's so many things in play. And one of, one of the things that makes me think of is that we usually go, uh, individuals or state, and th- those are the two main institutions in our world. And I think the simple wrong answer is that the state is the only tool that fixes this thing. And by state, I mean, the governing structure that could be at the city level or the, um, or the, or literally the state level, or maybe even the federal level. But we just, we, we sit here as individuals and say, Oh, this thing's broken. Um, we probably need the state to show up and fix it. And there are so many layers in between. And I've described some of them just in community that need to be involved in, um, in life in general, but also in addressing someone living, living where they shouldn't be living. So when you, when you're talking about um, the state fixing it, what what do you have in mind? I mean, what what is involved? What is encompassed in your 
you know, vision of the state fixing this? Are you thinking that the state should enforce, mm. you know, uh, maybe statutes about where people can put a tent or sure. defecate or whatever? Is that sure. is that what you have in mind by state, or is there more to it? That's part. That's part of it. Yeah, I think, I think it could go either direction. If if we're talking about spectrums, which let me warn us about spectrums. We don't usually talk about political spectrums because it's not the best way to look at things, the left or the right. Um, but I think one of the overly simplistic ways is if we just enforce all the laws, then we won't have homelessness anymore. And we, if we just pull this lever and who, who enforces the laws, we, we talked about this when we interviewed Patrick, the, uh, the state has the power of the sword. So the state is the one that enforces laws. Um, and I, th- I think the overly simplistic view is, oh, if we just had the state enforcing the law, we wouldn't have any more homelessness. Okay, that, that's not true. <laughs> you may not have anyone on the street, but, but you may not, you'll still have people that are in the same type of broken situation they were already in. Um, another would be if we just pour more money into this and we'll funnel that through state agencies, then we can, we can remedy this. Um, and I, th- I think there's more going on than that. That's... Uh, money funneled in a way that's not helpful, that's not addressing all these root causes, is not uh, not bringing health, not bringing um, dignity to image bearers, to these neighbors that are that are living where they shouldn't be living. And when I say shouldn't be living, I, I mean more than just a law piece. I'm talking about it, this is not as it should be. That's what mm-hmm. I mean when um, they shouldn't be living there. So does that does that make sense? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that helps me kind of have an idea of what you mean when you say the state, we look to the state to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there, there are other players involved, individuals for sure. Um, but I'm thinking about churches. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um, communities. I, I'm just remembering, it just came to mind. Uh, we had a mutual friend tell us that um, someone had, had showed up and unexpectedly been in a situation where they had they had kids and they didn't know how to take care of them and and the the life group that he was involved in all pulled in and got them food and got them clothing and got them a dresser and got them everything they needed um that wasn't the state and that wasn't one person the one person couldn't do it on their own but a a little community a little small group pitched in and helped with uh, caring for this person um so there's there's small groups in play there's uh, those little communities there's ministries there's nonprofit type organizations. Uh, we have we have friends that serve just across, I could walk to their place mm-hmm. from here, uh, uh, serving serving those neighbors and, and providing meals, providing clothing. There's um, all, all sorts of uh, services there uh, at Father's Heart in Oregon City. And in, in one of them, I was, I was chatting with her the other day, and one of the things they have is uh, they can get their mail there. They can, they can, they have an address now. If you have an address, you can do a whole bunch of things in our system because our system is also complex. Talk about complexity. <laughs> you need, a, you need an address for a lot of things yeah, you do. Um, to apply for a job or to apply for uh, ID, things like that. So that simple service that is done um, by this ministry is, hey, yeah, you can have, you can have your mail delivered here and you can have an address. Um, they have, uh, um, not counseling, what's the, um, like a coach of some sort, I can't remember the word, but they have coaches there that will help with either applying for jobs or um, setting them up in the systems so that they can get assistance and they can get uh, some of those state program pieces. But there's a, there's a mediating institution there to help right. access those things. So there, there's so many people involved. 
And I think my, the caution I'm calling for is, is not just to go, I'm an individual. I can't do anything. It's only the state. That's that, this huge, big institution. That's the, that's the only problem solver. No, you're part of communities that should be helping, that should be caring. And uh, it shouldn't all fall into one big bucket that is the state. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking about. And I think, you know, one of the things that this makes me think of are the, the things that, say, our church has done. I mean, you know, we're talking about this the other day, that, I mean, we've had transitional housing, mm-hmm. and uh, we have Celebrate Recovery that is to, um, to help with some of the underlying issues. Well, um, when we had transitional housing and we were going to open another one, um, we had neighbors complain not to us, but to the news. And so we actually got on TV because the neighbors complained about, uh, you know, a church opening another transitional housing thing. And, and guess what? I mean, lowering housing values was the concern. Mm. Now that didn't happen just for the record. The housing values are as high <laughs> as they've ever been in that, in this particular neighborhood. But, check faults. <laughs> yes. But uh, it was not, so it was not a true concern, but it was interesting the reason I bring that up is because not only is the homelessness complicated, so are the, the, the responses and the way that people feel about it is complicated. Mm. In other words, it isn't just a matter of, hey, well, let's, let's create housing where there wasn't housing like we tried to do mm-hmm. because there's motives that work against that as well. as uh, So it, anyway, that's just kind of an interesting um, side note is that it it's complicated on multiple levels here. Mm, so definitely. Anyway, yeah. So varying varying uh, institutions, varying groups of community. There's there's so many players involved, and I, and part of this is just to encourage you to to help care at some level of community, um, not just vote for people that happen to be using the talking points you prefer. Uh, but we're talking about image bearers. We're talking about people who are made in the image of God, who have dignity because they reflect God in some way. And we're supposed to, they're neighbors. We're supposed to love our neighbors. So how are you going to do that? I, it's, it's pretty difficult to love my neighbor just by checking a little box and going, okay, that, I, I did that. I hope they do that well. Well, I mean, I'll give a shout out to your wife uh, on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, when uh, she was little, really, she went to a, a, a missions camp. And they had a special week of kind of highlighting refugees. And she was just heartbroken mm. that people would be away from their homes and who was going to care for them and what was a, you know opportunity for missionaries in a refugee situation. And she came back just, un, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And she somehow got the idea that the, the refugees, the closest thing that we had to refugees around here at that time, were homeless people, mm. and that uh, she wanted to do something to alleviate homelessness. And so uh, we ended up just spending the, the rest of the summer trying to figure out what could, what could a couple little girls do to uh, alleviate some of the suffering of people who were homeless. And they came up with, uh, you know, bags of meals, and they, to their credit, they went around, they asked um, Portland Rescue Mission, they asked other people who work in this area, what should we put in those? What would be appreciated? And they created this um, 
these meal bags with some other stuff with socks and, you know, hand sanitizer and some other things that would be of use that people could carry in their cars and hand out to people with signs. And, you know, that was, um, that was a little girl's response to homelessness that was not just, she couldn't check it. She wasn't even old enough to check a box, you know, and <laughs> that's to, to me, that's the kind of thing that, um, that's accessible to anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody could have done that. It just was her, um, kind of her angle on it or her first step into it. And I mm -hmm. thought it was really uh, kind of remarkable that a couple little girls did something that was pretty significant there. It's good. So there's, yeah, much you can do. One, one of the things I want to point out is, so, so I'm sitting on the uh, attempting to be in the government side of things. So I've been trying to read and understand and what can be remedied. I, I recently read a book by uh, Michael Schellenberger called San Francisco. And he lives in San Francisco and uh, was observing the um, really in incredible amount of money that is spent um, on homelessness response there. And he, uh, fairly, very interesting book because he sits on the progressive side of things and um, has that type of caring posture that um, would desire to send a bunch of money that way. Um, but his this whole book is about, hey, this this is not working. This is not, uh, the the things we're trying to do are not actually alleviating, are not actually bringing health and care um, and dignity to these neighbors. And the reason I bring that up is this, that it's, it's complex. I can't just go, well, if we just went this way, everything will be fine. And he has a full, a full list of, um, I'm still, still working through trying to find all the recommendations. He didn't have a bullet point list. I really wanted a bullet oh, point list. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he just pointed, he was, the, the book is really pointing out lo a lot of the unintended consequences. Um, if, if we don't think well about how we spend millions of dollars, maybe we still spend millions of dollars and nothing happens, um, or it gets worse. Um, and he has a list of recommendations from, uh, long-term live-in psychiatric care to stigmatization of hard drug use to, uh, non-voluntary treatment and expanding conservatorship and, enforcing current city ordinances and increasing shelters and de-emphasizing housing because they, they emphasize housing down there at the cost of $500,000 a pop, that kind of thing. And he was saying shelters, and they, and they discourage shelters um, because of that, that housing emphasis. But he, and that's just a partial list, but that's at the governmental level. Like here are all these things that probably need to change in order to actually care for these people. Um, and he's kind of raising his hands going, we've been doing this this way for a long time and it's not working. Um, these, and it's getting worse and worse and worse in places like the Tenderloin and things, with, mm -hmm. which we've had uh, friends minister in those areas as well. So um, I just point that out from the, from the governmental level. Um, there, there's a lot to be done and it's not, it's, again, it's not simple. And if the goal, and I hope that is the goal for all of you listeners, the goal is to love your neighbor. Um, how do I do that at one, the individual level, those intermediate institution levels, and then the, the governmental level, all of those should be aimed towards loving neighbor. And it's, it's not simple. It, it create, it requires, um, people thinking long and hard and, um, desiring to make changes that, uh, will actually aim towards the dignity of people. Um, I think dignity is an important piece here when you're talking about homelessness, because mm -hmm. one of that's one of the central issues I think is just the, the, the lack of dignity. 
mm-hmm. that they experience on a regular basis, but also that, uh, you know, we can, it's easy to treat people, you know, that inconvenience us or that, you know, scare us or something with a lack of dignity. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you said that. Yeah. And, and I hope that that is what informs your responses. Uh, it's, it's too easy to think about homelessness and, and drive by it. I mean, it's, it's frustrating. You're, you drive around Portland or you drive around the area and you see um, just a, a broken, dirty place. There's, there's garbage and there's, everything's broken. And your initial reaction is, it shouldn't be like this. There shouldn't be trash on the streets. And I, th- I think our initial response is, is disgust about a particular um, view, just how things look on the street. And I think we, I, I want people to press in a little bit further and go, there, there, there are people living there. There are image bearers living there. And really ask God to inform your response because those are people. Because mm-hmm. um, it's too easy to just go, man, I'm annoyed. This shouldn't be like this. We, we should have a clean neighborhood or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I agree with that. But there's also, how do we care for these people? How do we um, deal with, how do we actually address addiction? How do we actually address uh, the mental health crisis that's going on? How do we, how do we address community? Um, and I, I just, I'm just asking people to, to push in a little bit because it's really easy to be, uh, what's the word? Maybe harsh, maybe um, just more, more negative in, in posture. And I don't think that's going to get us <laughs> to the loving, loving neighbor, which is what God calls to do. So, well, and I think, you know, what, <laughs> as you were saying that, I heard get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. You know, and I was thinking we had, it was, I don't know, it was two months ago or something. I mean, we had some homeless people who were in church service with us on Sunday. Mm. And more than one on this particular Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that, I wonder how often that happens. Well, it doesn't Mm. happen very often here. And it doesn't happen very often, probably most places. Mm -hmm. But it was a, it was a matter of making, um, you know, people being uncomfortable with that, but learning to get comfortable being uncomfortable and treating them with dignity and being as welcoming to them as they were to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so there's several, I was so excited as a pastor to have that happen because it was, there was a number of spiritual issues that it would raise in the life of everyone. I mean, from James chapter, what is it, James chapter two issues, especially when talks about so you see these kind of people come into your assembly mm, right and what are you how are you going to deal with them so i mean that's a very reactive posture but nonetheless i i do think that becoming uh, more comfortable being uncomfortable is something that probably uh it's not really part of the american dream mm-hmm. but it's probably pretty important that we as followers of jesus right uh, you know become more comfortable being uncomfortable right this is not part of your american identity this is part of your christian identity <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's good. So I want to walk through some just pragmatics. Uh, what can you actually do? Um, and there's obviously the governmental piece. And, well, friends, I'm working on that piece. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, and I'm specifically not kind of engaging uh, that type of – I'm not doing the argument type stuff that I normally would in a, in a political context and, and battling back ideas and things – or battling against ideas um, – because that's for a different context. This is more of a helping you have a good posture in this. So what can you do? Um, I think the first 
and really best starting spot is prayer. Uh, and kind of that uh, image-bearing piece I already talked about, pray for them, pray for your heart, pray for your response. Uh, ask, ask God to reveal to you, why am I turning my head or making it look like I have something to do when I'm in the mm-hmm. car at a stoplight and I really don't want to make eye contact? And um, I think when we make eye contact, it becomes very obvious that we're fellow image bearers, and that makes mm-hmm. it really hard um, to know what to do. And right. so we avoid it. So pray and ask God to reveal um, what's broken in you, what what is broken in your response, but also help me be uncomfortable. Uh, help me lean in. Help me... Um, love people well. Well, I think even more than just praying for yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. you can pray for that person. You can pray uh, for the government and mm-hmm. for the problem. I mean, even even when we're encouraged to pray for the government in um, in First Peter, it's so that we might live a, a quiet and peaceful lives in Christ Jesus. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a there's a sense in which praying for your leaders and praying for uh, the kings and all those in authority, uh, we do that particularly for problems like this, mm-hmm. you know, really, yeah, yeah. because that's, that's one of those things that, that maybe takes away peace. And so right. we, we pray because God's invited us to bring that to him. Right. And so that, that I, I would encourage a, a broader, maybe more yeah. aggressive prayer as well as, as well. I mean, seriously, I mean, you're totally right about like trying to dodge eye contact and all that. I mean, there's hard work that God needs to do mm-hmm. in me, and I need to pray about that for sure. But certainly, we can pray about solutions too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're totally right. Pray for <laughs> pray for them. Pray for government. I think the the reason I start with with us is that we may be the answer to the prayer for that person. <laughs> so um, just expect that, I guess, if if you start praying, which I'm encouraging you to do. You wrote, "Be humble." What do you What do you think about that action? Well, I mean, I always want to see that action <laughs> in all of us. But the the reason that I thought, you know, one of the things I can do is I can be humble. Simply, I'm not going to have the answer. Mm. I, I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I The answer is not simple. And if somebody tells me what the answer is and I think they're right, uh, probably incomplete still. I mean, I wanna just want to be humble about the answers. I want to be humble about my own Ability. That's one of the things that we don't maybe have here on our list is that um, we're not going to be able to do everything mm. to solve this. I mean, it's not a matter of, uh, hey, give money here, vote here, do right. this, and the problem will go away. This is a matter of, I mean, even Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Uh, this is a matter of um, us humbly saying, you know what, I can't do everything, but I can do this. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing we have limitations, but we also have some responsibility. Right. I think another good one is to find a reliable partner. There, there, there are partners, ministries, uh, nonprofit organizations that do know a lot more about this <laughs> than any one of. Thankfully, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so find someone and give volunteer. Um, partner with. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone in your city or someone down the street or um, some place that uh, is really making a lot of things happen on a shoestring budget and they're loving people well, but they they could use help. And I'd say money, yes, but also just showing up and helping. And I and I'm you know I will just say as a pastor, I'm, I mean so proud of people in our church who mm-hmm. who do that. There's some mm-hmm. who just make a weekly practice of showing up 
yep. on one you know certain day a week, and they'll do whatever they're asked, and they run meals to people, and they do various things. And you know, over time, they get to know some people who come to the shelter, and over time, it it makes a difference over mm-hmm. time. And um, and the thing is, I say you know we we, we said find a re- reliable partner. I think that's important because not just any partner. I mean, I think there are people trying to solve this problem that don't know what they're doing. There are people trying to solve this problem who will take your money and pretend to solve the problem. Mm. I mean, I think there's lots of ways to go wrong on that. So uh, doing some research and finding some people that have been in the game for a while and know mm-hmm. what they're doing uh, can really go a long ways. So uh, that would that's kind of why the reliable partner is a good solution. Yeah, yeah. The next one says give a cup of water or food or goods or anything like that. Um, giving, being hospitable <laughs> with, with these neighbors um, who are on the corner or outside the store or, or on the street, uh, that can be a way to love people and be a representative of Jesus. Um, I remember, I think I was walking into a, might have been a, not a Rite Aid, I can't remember where it was, but I was in Portland. And, there was a guy out outside, and I decided to get him a bunch of um, almonds, just big cans of almonds. And I, I came back out and handed them these almonds, and he just almost with tears in his eyes and looked at me and said, "You don't, you don't know what this means." Mm. Like, okay, I, that's good. This, this was a good action. <laughs> I can, yeah, I, I can I love this guy don't. this way. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand at all, um, but I, I could, I could be a help there. Um, and honestly, the proclivity would have been to avoid eye contact and not even engage. Um, but just jump out there and, and give. That's Do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you think of Jesus' words, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for I was hungry and you gave me food, thirsty, you gave me drink, I was a stranger and you welcomed me naked and you clothed me. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of that, that's, um, that's the kind of work you're talking about here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 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 Another one is uh, sit and listen. What, uh, it was really interesting when I visited... Um, Father Sart, and I was asking, what, what do you need? What would be helpful? And obviously the, they have places to receive donations for clothing and you can serve food and you can make food and all that kind of stuff. But she said, you know what? If, if we had people that would just come and sit and listen, that would be huge. Really? Like, to, like talk to people? Like, no, you don't even need to talk to people. They, they will talk and you just need to listen. And you're a fellow human. And if you have ears and you can just listen, that'd be so helpful. And she, she said, um, a lot of the reason... Uh, often the reason that homeless people are talking to themselves is because they don't have anyone to talk to. Mm. Community is so um, so part of who we are as people that if you're alone, you start talking to yourself because we're supposed to talk to people. Mm. So if you have if you have a little bit of time and you can um, volunteer and uh, show up to one of these places in a regular way, that's another thing she mentioned. Um, if you can if you can show up on a regular basis so that people trust you. Um, okay, he was here before, and, and uh, he, he came next week, or she was here, and she's been here every week. Uh, if, if there's trust that can be built, and really I'm describing community, right? That's exactly what it, mm-hmm. this is. Um, but that, that can be such a help because that you don't have that anymore. It, that, that piece has been broken and is needed because that's, that's part of what it means to be human. So um, the last one I have is uh, open your home, and this may – this big deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> big ask, but there are situations you probably, um, if you're leaning into being uncomfortable, I, I've been in situations like this where I, I knew 
I had a relationship with people and they got into that, uh, the situation where life kind of hits you in the face, like that, that kind of thing. And it was obvious to me, okay, if, if he doesn't sleep at our house, I don't know where he's sleeping tonight. Um, cause I was that, that, uh, stopgap of community for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's okay. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna sleep in this room and here, here we go. Um, and that's going to be a, probably a higher level of relationship, I'm guessing. But depending on, on your means or your connection with people or, or whatever, that, that can be a way of literally being um, Jesus' hospitality for other people. So that's a, another extreme action, a good action. Well, it's an extreme action. And, and I think, you know, if just the very fact you bring it up, it, it may go all the way there. Right, mm-hmm. I mean, it may never go there for you, but it sure. may, may go all the way there, and it's just part of your doing business with uh, the Lord as a representative mm-hmm. of His kingdom is saying, okay, if it goes all that, if it goes that far, am I okay with that? I mean, mm-hmm. and at what point, you know, Lord, would you have me stop? Because it is not, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's that is a big ask mm-hmm. for, for yeah. most of us. Yeah. Well, that's what I got. Uh, we just want to chat about this. And really, I, I, I want to emphasize again that this is a complex thing. There are many players involved and uh, many changes that need to be made at every level, whether it's the individual level, we talked about our hearts quite a bit, whether it's the, the intermediating, intermediating institutions, um, all those little community pieces uh, between the individual and the state, um, or the state itself, where Things are maybe not going the way they should be going for the dignity and value and worth of people to respond to them in the right way. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and, I, and I hope that you can engage this with that understanding um, and then realize there's something that you can do too. Um, so do that. Um, I think that's it. So I just want to remind you all, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review goes a long way. So please review, um, do all those things, share it with a friend. If you have questions or if you have comments or if you have ideas about this particular topic, uh, send them to comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. If you'd like to leave an audio question, you can go to speakpipe.com slash podcast. We may use that in a future episode. But until the next episode, we look forward to the next conversation. Mm-hmm.